Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with Josh Nelson, where we get real, we get honest, and we get clear about the financial world and your money. This is Josh Nelson, a certified financial planner and founder and CEO of Keystone Financial Services. We love feedback, and we'd love it if you would pass it on to me directly at josh at keystonefinancial.com. Also, please stay plugged in with us, get updates on episodes, and help us promote the podcast. And also, subscribing to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Let the financial fun begin. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Wiser Financial Advisor with Josh Nelson. This week is teaching kids about money part two, which suggests there was a part one. If you didn't get a chance to listen to part one, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to it. But I will give you a really quick recap just to set the stage for today. So teaching kids about money part one, really the premise here is that that's one of the most common questions that I've gotten throughout my 20 plus years of being a financial planner is how do I teach my kids about money? When do I teach my kids about money? What do I teach them? So last week was talking about the three principles of early, often, and now. Early was really referring to teaching kids as early as possible, and they can pick up on this stuff a lot earlier, I think, than we think. Obviously, there's age-appropriate levels of what we're teaching them, but starting as early as possible. Often is teaching them consistently. This isn't one of those conversations where you just sit down when they're 12, 13 years old and teach them the facts of life. This is something that should be happening as often as possible in your household. And number three, the principle of now. and The whole point here is that we need to start now, wherever we are, even if our kids are adults at this point and we feel like we didn't do the best job teaching them about money, there's nothing wrong with starting those conversations. And especially if they're adults, it may be that you're starting the conversation telling them about what you're doing. It could be that you're not asking them and kind of nosing on their stuff because at that point it may not be appropriate. They're adults and they may not want that conversation related to them. It may be that you need to start talking about your own stuff. You'll notice that this series is called Teaching Kids About Money. Notice I didn't call it Teaching Your Kids About Money because it may not necessarily be your kids. It could be your grandkids. It could be your neighbor kids. It could be the uh, kids that you're teaching. If you're a teacher, it could be kids that you start that conversation with in the classroom. And it also could be in the workplace. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of people that I visited with over the years that they point back to a manager or a senior coworker that kind of got them on the right track from an early point in their company. And it could have been just talking about, hey, make sure you sign up for the 401k, make sure you get your free money, make sure that you're sitting down with a financial planner so he can help you figure out what your long-term plan is. So really, it could be a lot of these things that get instilled from a variety of sources. It could be kids that are Maybe just younger than you. It could be a year younger than you. But bottom line is that you may be in a position where you can instill these things with other people. There could be an opportunity for you as well. There's all kinds of organizations like Junior Achievement that would love to have you go into the classroom. I've done that. Uh, Sherry's done that. Jeremy's done that in our workplace. And that's been a lot of fun and very rewarding to go in and have those conversations with kids of various ages. So part two, we're going to get into a little bit more of the what this week. In other words, so what do I teach my kids about money or what do I teach these kids about money? What are the most important principles that I need to teach them? Well, there's three things today. One of those is the value of money. 
Number two is how to manage money. And then number three is what does success look like? In other words, how do people get wealthy? How do people get rich? And that's, I think, really important because that's a whole line of thinking here with the Wiser Financial Advisor is that we're trying to emulate people who have been successful, basically, and try to avoid mistakes that other people have made. So really, it's learning from each other. So we're not having to do this by trial and error. The problem with trial and error is that it can be very expensive and can be very time consuming. And the problem, of course, is that we only have so much time. And so the whole idea here is to use wisdom, use other people's experiences so we can make better decisions going forward. So principle number one today is the value of money teaching kids about really what money is. And I know that can be a little bit mind boggling. You start to think about, well, gosh, you know, I, I have these pieces of paper and these coins and I have this money on this balance. Uh, what is that all about? Who's backing that up and who says what that's actually worth? Well, the Oxford Dictionary says that Money is a medium of exchange in the form of coins and banknotes. Now, it didn't say this in the definition, but I would say those are both physical and electronic means today because the reality is most of us, our spending is done electronically, either by a debit card or a credit card, or you might even think about, well, gosh, some of these things don't exist at all in paper form like cryptocurrency. And I'm not recommending you go out and invest in cryptocurrency or put your money there. But the reality is the world is kind of moving in that direction where the money is not as physical as it used to be. But the whole idea here is to instill the point that it, it's really a medium of exchange. And from a practical standpoint, it's, it's how I get stuff. It's just how I am able to do stuff, get stuff that involves money. Uh, somebody had to buy that bicycle. If you're riding your bikes, that skateboard, however you're getting there, somebody had to buy the clothes that are on your back. If you're walking there, your shoes, things like that. So ultimately, the principles that you want to instill here are kind of the fact that money exists. Of course, it's very important to instill that. And so early on, you want to be actually getting some physical money. Of course, there's toy money, things like that, little cash register toys you can do. Uh, in fact, early on, my mom actually bought me a little cash register and typewriter. I probably told you this before, but pretty early on, I had some some toy money. And it's kind of funny that I ended up doing this for a living. Ultimately, it's about Money and then how do I get money? Is well, if I'm creative and I'm hardworking and uh, you know I, I just don't give up. Ultimately, I'm going to get compensated for those things. Creative meaning that well, you need to be creative enough to figure out what will get you money. <laughs> what things do you need to be able to do? Like little chores. Now we have got a little one year old and we don't have her on chores quite yet, but it's not going to be long. We're going to have her helping with the dog food and things like that, right? Just little teeny chores that are kind of age appropriate. But ultimately, are we going to pay her for? that? Yes. Yeah, we are. Is it going to be a lot? No. I mean, the whole principle here isn't the dollar amount. The whole principle is when you do something, when you do a chore, when you do a job, when you work, in other words, then you get compensated for that. So ultimately, the principle here that you want to start instilling is the fact that money exists and you got to do something to get it. In most cases, people don't just hand you money for no reason. So that's important that they're getting paid on commission, right? Um, I think that's pretty important that kids are getting paid for what they do and that they're they're contributing, in fact, early on, instead of just handing them money all the time. Otherwise, they're not going to learn that lesson for a long time, maybe not until they get into the actual workforce after college. But what money isn't is also important to talk about here is that it doesn't buy happiness. It really comes down to a lot more 
than that. And that's for a whole other discussion, of course, as far as the value of life. It's also important to instill the fact that not having money doesn't buy happiness either, right? So ultimately, we do need to have money from somebody. We've got to have money in some form to eat and put a roof over our heads and go to the doctor and go to the dentist. So it's important to be having these conversations that money doesn't just grow on trees, that mom and dad go to work. You know, we have to work hard. So whether we're in a business or we're working for somebody else, ultimately, somebody had to work for that money. So those conversations, even though they might seem very basic, that's important. It's really important to instill in kids early on why money exists, what the purpose is. So it does allow us experiences beyond just the basics. And in fact, you've probably heard me say this before, but they've done various studies on this, that once people get to a household income of about $75,000, that's about where the studies tend to even out. Once we get to about $75,000 in income per year, that money really doesn't buy happiness. In other words, they actually are polling people and asking different questions on this. And what they found is that people's happiness level actually does go up until about that $75,000 mark. And then it really levels off and it never goes up after that. It doesn't matter how many zeros you add on the end of somebody's wealth or income, really, it never ends up going up. It's not that money doesn't buy happiness beyond that to the extent of being able to do stuff, but it's not really giving us more life satisfaction overall. In other words, getting more money beyond $75,000 doesn't result in a negative amount of happiness, but it doesn't go up either. So it just allows us different experiences that we could have. So number two is how to manage money. And now we're talking about budgeting, saving, spending, investing, giving. It's about making decisions now with that money, not just acquiring it or understanding what it does, but now it's about the managing of money. And that can start from a very early age. It can start with the piggy bank. It could be as simple as that or a little toy cash register like I had as a kid. So understanding how to manage money. And there's all kinds of games and things like that that you can use as well. Sim City, the Sim games are oftentimes a good way to teach kids if they're into gaming. Uh, that actually will help you manage a city's budget, right? As far as being able to uh, build buildings and uh, water towers and things like that, that could be a good tool. Find some way that kind of connects with them. In other words, so they can start to understand managing money. But ultimately, it is going to come down to their own money, to real money, not just on a game. So one thing I always recommend is that people open up as early as you can do it, really, and most banks and credit unions will do this, is opening them a bank account, a kid's bank account. Now, can they do that on their own? No. The parent is on the account. They do have to have a parent or grandparent, somebody else involved in this. But opening up a kid's bank account allows them to be able to start to actually experience managing their own money before it really counts. You know, someday when they're older and they're an adult, give them these experiences early on by opening up a kid's bank account. Another tool for this that we've used as a family is called Busy Kid when the kids are younger. And Busy Kid is a service. There is a fee for it. So there's some cost involved with it. But it's really convenient because there's a little debit card that you get and it's attached to the parent's bank account. So you can pay them for their chores and they get a payday, right? So there's a weekly paycheck that kind of hits their bank account. So they can actually start to experiencing what it'll be like even before they can get a part-time job at a restaurant or something like that. You could be doing this with them using Busy Kid because it hits their account and then you can start to make some changes in there as far as where is that money going to go? How much are we going to spend? And there's a spend bucket. 
how much are we going to save and how much are we going to give? In other words, if we're giving to charity, if that's a value of yours that you want to instill, I think that would be a good idea, by the way. Uh, but ultimately, it's important to instill that it's so, so important to help the kids understand that they just can't spend all the money. And if they do spend all the money, then that's not going to really result in them building wealth over time. And it's also going to put them in a position where they're not going to have the money to be able to make bigger purchases down the road. And so you can see how these patterns are going to kind of play themselves out in people's lives, right? As things go on is that people haven't planned ahead and budgeted and saved to buy things like a vehicle or maybe even something smaller like a trip or maybe it's something like a new iPhone, things like that. If people don't budget for that, then what do they do? Either they don't get it or they have to borrow. And it's really important to instill that as early as possible. If you look at the wealthiest people in the world, they did not get wealthy because they borrowed money. Uh, that's just something that we want to try to avoid as much as possible or at least least teaching kids that if they have to borrow money someday, and I think, you know, in most cases, people can't write a check to buy a house. Maybe there's a few examples of that, but most people can't actually write a check to buy a house. So that's one thing that they'll have to kind of look at in the future and try to pay that thing down early. But as far as borrowing money to buy little stuff, buying an iPhone, things like that, you don't want to go down that path because that's how people get into big trouble with having way too much debt, way too much monthly obligation from paying the bank or some form of the bank, somebody else who they might owe money to. You might get some kids, and some of them are so good at this, they just kind of dial in with it right away. If they're just a natural saver, you're probably not going to have to do a whole lot other than just kind of basic monitoring. Other kids, they might spend every dollar that goes in there, and it might require some more course correction to help them understand the principles of putting money away. That brings us to our third point, is how do people get wealthy? How do people get rich? You can talk about how do people get poor too, right? The corollary of that, because it's just the opposites of these things. But ultimately, there are some different principles. When we think about famous people, and that's a good way to teach kids, I think, is to talk about some famous people that they've heard of and use them as examples, both good and bad. So talk to them about people that have made a gazillion dollars and they lost it all and how they lost it all. So let's use a couple examples. I'll throw a couple at you and you can think of your own. But Johnny Depp, uh, the actor who has made over $750 million is probably more than that now, but over $750 million in earnings from his films over the years, he went dead broke. I mean, maybe he's recovered from it by now. That's been a couple years ago, but he was dead broke, spent it all. He, it's kind of interesting to look it up. You know, you can go out and look at some of the things that he was spending money on, just insane amounts of money on wine and things like that. Really, that's the principle we're teaching here is that if you live below your means, regardless of what your income level is, whether you make $30,000 a year or $30 million a year, it doesn't matter how many zeros you add or subtract. It's the same principle. If you don't take the money and put it someplace else. If you just spend it all, in other words, you will end up being broke, especially if you're borrowing more than what you're making. That's not going to work eventually. Another example, Floyd Mayweather, the boxer, now has earned over $500 million from fighting over the years and has won and lost it all at least a couple times now. He's actually built it up to obscene amounts of money and spent every single last dime of it. And that's why he's kind of come out of retirement, right? And gone back and fought again because he needs to earn more money. Obviously, he hasn't learned yet. Maybe he will. 
there's a couple examples of people that the kids may end up recognizing and they're going to look at you with these big wide eyes and shake their head and say, how did they go broke? How did they possibly go broke when they had that level of earnings? So you can talk about that, talk about the famous people, but say, you know what, the same thing happens with a lot of people that have a lot less money than that. And if you flip it to the opposite, think about other people that they might know, like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or Warren Buffett, uh, maybe not Warren Buffett. You'll have to tell them who Warren Buffett is probably at this point, as Berkshire Hathaway isn't uh, maybe as sexy of a company as some of the others. But use Bezos, Musk, use these other people and talk about how did they get rich. These are some of the richest people in the world. How did they get there? Well, some of it is luck. I mean, ultimately, yes, sometimes just good fortune and blessings come down on us. But usually those things don't just show up on their own. There was probably some hard work that went into it. And with all three of those people, Bezos, Musk, and Buffett, very, very hardworking people. And Warren Buffett, who's 90 plus now, still works his butt off, goes to the office every day and still works hard and is not giving up just because of his age or his wealth. Creativity is another one, is that all these people are very creative and they're not willing to give up. Determination is really, really important to recognizing that not giving up so easy is a really core value. And then taking risk, being willing to fail. In other words, all three of them have failed over and over and over and over and over. In fact, you talk to people who are very famous, very rich people, oftentimes they'll actually say that, is that their willingness to fail over and over and over again, they were basically willing to fail more than anybody else. And that's why they got to where they did. So making that safe, making that safe for them to fail and understanding that there's actually a value in failure as long as we're learning from it, because we also develop some thick skin from that. That's one of the values of participating in school activities and sports and things like that is there's winners and there's losers. And, you know, it sounds kind of harsh, but that's the real world is that you've got to develop some thick skin because otherwise you're, you're going to give up. Ultimately you'll give up and you'll just kind of settle back and go with the least you possibly have to do to get by living below your means and then being a hard worker, being creative, being determined to just not giving up. These are all core values that you can teach. Also make it real too. You I mean, use some people that you know, use some business owners possibly in the area, but also you may know them enough that you understand that they're not just buying that stuff with all of their money. They're actually also putting money away into investments and building their wealth and by making other investments. So it's not just about spending all the money. That's really, really important. I know we've talked about this over and over, but ultimately it, it does come down to living below your means and taking the difference, taking that money and doing something reasonably smart with it whether it be investing back into a business, buying stock, uh, building money up in savings, maybe not the best option long-term, but having some cash is important. Now, last time we talked about a book recommendation, I highly recommend this one. I've read it a couple times now. It's called Smart Money, Smart Kids by Rachel Cruz. Great book. It talks about all these age groups from little teen tiny kids to college age kids and great principles. Very quick read. I think that you'll find that valuable to read through. Why do we talk about this? Because it comes up so much, again, in conversations that I have as an advisor. It also comes up with a lot of people 
having regrets and having some pain because they wish that somebody would have taught them about money early on so they didn't have to make so many mistakes. They didn't have to wait so long to start following smart financial principles. And ultimately, there's some regrets and pain on the other end, too, from parents, grandparents wishing that they had done more early on to teach their kids about money because they they might see their kids making some mistakes. Uh, They might just kind of regret it because they wish they would have had the conversations. That's why it comes back to those principles we talked about last time, which is early, often, and now. And now is the key, is to take some action based off of what we've talked today. Maybe it's picking up a copy of that book. These days, Amazon can get it to you overnight, or you can run over to a bookstore. I'm sure you can get that at Barnes & Noble. There's all kinds of action items in there that you can start to take. But take some action, at least one action based off of what we've talked about today, so you don't have to look back and say, I wish I had. You'll be glad that you did. I hope that was helpful. I hope you have a wonderful week and God bless. The opinions voiced in the Wiser Financial Advisor Show with host Josh Nelson are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through Keystone Financial Services, an SEC-registered investment advisor.